Banter City, <laughs> all the way from Banter City, Tennessee. Hey guys, welcome. It was Banter Town. It's whatever. Yeah, it was. What it is Banter Town? Banter Town. Maybe way it's cool. incorporated now, though. It is Absolutely. now. We, yeah, we Every episode, exploding. I think. Yeah, it's exploding. Banter Town has become a city. Yeah, man. We were they got uh, a mayor and everything. We're, yeah. we're growing into uh, a citywide treasure, if you will, a municipal treasure. Uh, hey guys, welcome to talk about that. Uh, I'm John. I'm here with Johnny and Dane today. The crew's hey, back together. Yeah, Very excited to have are. all three of us. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And Johnny is joining us today. You can't see this, uh, but Johnny can see this mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. because yeah. he got glasses for the first I time. I got glasses. Yeah, and it's weird. They're really just for driving because when I'm looking at stuff close up, it's blurry now. Right. I don't know if that's what you do you mean have? with the glasses. It's with blurry? the glasses now. Close up stuff because I have a nearsightedness. Right. So the far away stuff that I was that was I was not reading before. I'm like, holy moly! Yeah, I missed a lot of exits. Uh, but now <laughs> uh, they said I'm really not a LASIK candidate because of that. Mm. Because if they fix that, then I'll have like to wear reading glasses to read stuff up close, which is most of what I do is like on the computer or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I look at my phone right now, it's a little bit blurry. But if I held it five feet away from me, clears a bell. So are you just going to wear them all the time then? No, I just have them on today. I'm trying to get used to wearing them. Gotcha. I like them. Uh, yeah, you look great. Yeah, Suits they take, you. thanks. Yeah. Uh, we, the lady at the place, man, she went through like a dozen, you know, pairs in a row trying to figure out like what my face shape, <laughs> you know, because there were some that you just knew. <laughs> Did right they away. have names for it? Like oblong? Uh-huh. She said I was an oval. <laughs> <laughs> no, she didn't. Uh, and then she said, "And your face is it?" No, she. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm an oval. I mean, I have a. You she, know, she said you're an she, oval she, face, but that's like, that's uh, yeah, not, that sounds normal. But what, she had a name. Square for it, would be all. the bad. Like you've got a real square face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're SpongeBob. Good luck out there. The glasses aren't going to help. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a process of like figuring out. Like what, how much of the lens should cover your face? Right. Because if you have really small, if I chose like much smaller yeah. lenses, it would make my face look bigger because it'd be like oh, a giant head with those tiny John <laughs> yeah, Lennon glasses yeah, yeah. on. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. And I'm, I'm getting used to it. So yeah, I'm just wearing great. them now just because I'm. I like it. Where'd you go? Did you go to Warby? I, no, no, no. I went to uh, the eye, modern eye gallery, which sounds like you're picking out a new eye. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It does. Uh, it sounds like something out of a futuristic movie Modern where you go and pick out new eyes. What was that movie with Tom Cruise where he took the dude's eye out? Minority, Ooh, uh, Mission minor- Impossible. No. <laughs> Minority Report. Was it the one where... Risky Business. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what Dan and I do at staff meeting. Yeah. And uh, anytime, especially our, our lead pastor, anytime that he can't think of something and he's hesitating. Which is? It, it happens a lot. But <laughs> it happens like we'll begin just throwing out a mini, but usually it's not even related. He mm-hmm. was like, you know, guys, I, I was thinking of that movie the other day. You Jack know, Reacher. And you just start naming all the movies. He's like, <laughs> Saving Arizona. Like there's many random. Charlie Brown's. Saving Arizona? Like raising, raising Arizona. Saving, saving Silverman. Pri- <laughs> private line. Private saving Ryan. Arizona. <laughs> saving. <laughs> raising Arizona. You've combined yeah. movies on yourself. Wow. Wow. That's okay. Yeah, but it's really fun to do. John oh. got me doing it. 
And that it just annoys the crap out of whoever we're doing. Because then they really can't think of what they're trying to think of because you're throwing them off so bad. <laughs> it's the best. I read a great uh, tweet yesterday and it said, the funniest thing ever to do is when someone pays you in cash to say, it's been declined. <laughs> I read that the other day too. It's so good. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm that's start great. Doing that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, Johnny, you know, you're talking about, so the glasses thing, I went to the eye doctor last year and I was telling him, when I'm in the middle of a long manuscript process, my mm-hmm. eyes get strained, you know? Right. I was staring at screen for many, many hours. I mean, even when I'm not writing, my my other job is staring at a screen a lot. And they were like, well, we can give you these glasses, uh, and that would help. It, but once you start, it's almost like a drug. Oh, wow. Like once you, you – you don't have to have them, but they would help your eyes feel better for long projects. But it, the more you wear them, the more your eyes will need them. Okay. Mm. And so I was like, because I would, I, I would like to do that, but then I'm, I'm afraid I'm like training my eyes to need the glasses. Mm. And I don't know. It's a – Well, your eyes just inevitably need them. Right, that's the point. You'll make it where you need them more. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if you don't use the glasses now and you're trying to train your eyes not to need them, won't, like, in the next Do you think you're going to will yourself like you're gonna to need eye glasses. health, John? Guys, that's what I'm doing. I am working my eyes out every day to get them stronger. You get what I'm saying, though? Like, you're going to eventually need glasses anyway, so why wouldn't you just go ahead and... Well, because I would need them more severely quicker. I suppose. You know, I don't know if that's... We know what they say, though. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, which I gotta tell that's you... That's not true at all. <laughs> everything in my life, like I thought I had mono one time, uh-huh. it didn't kill me, and it, it did not make me stronger. You know, I felt a million awful. things. Yes. But it did make you stronger because you will never get mono. Well, again. I had a fender no. bender. It didn't kill me. I mean, everything. And it made me stronger Stop at all. Stop saying everything. A sweater doesn't yeah. kill you, and it doesn't make doesn't you stronger. It doesn't make you stronger. It's a horrible expression. Mm-hmm. A fingernail true. does not kill you. It doesn't make you stronger. A watch... <laughs> The band Poison. Dan, can you name one real thing that doesn't kill you yet makes you stronger? No. No, it's, a, it's really... Even if you I'm did... I'm not own, for it. I'm just saying. Like, like they've mono. even discovered now, they used to think that breaking <laughs> Might your... Might not be your best example say, remember what they used you're to talking say, about. They used to say breaking your collarbone right. was like, well, now it'll never... You've got a bulletproof collarbones, which you've got. That thing, you can't, lightning can't that, strike. And then a lot of people broke their collarbones twice and three times. And they're like, you know what? Yes. The science is still out on this. <laughs> Be careful with your collarbones. <laughs> but that's what I've always heard is the collarbone is so hard to break. But then when you break it, it's like, it fuses back. It's titanium. I've never I would like to believe that. For it sure. actually is true, so I hear. It's it's less likely you'll break it twice. Cause Tell of, that to Tony Romo. Yeah. Who I think broke it three well, times. Well, let's get him on the line. <laughs> guys, Tony? our special guest today. You won't believe this. It's Tony Romo. Hey, guys. <laughs> so, Tony, <laughs> tell us about this collarbone. It hurts to breathe, John. <laughs> it hurts real bad. Your Tony Romo voice. <laughs> it hurts real bad, John. I can't. Uh, Why is that in. your Tony Romo voice? Breathing in is hard. <laughs> Go Cowboys. Well, that was weird. He's gone, good. but that was, yeah. man, it was good, to, good to have him. Man, we really technologically pulled that one off. Don't you think? Yeah, easily quick. today. Yeah. Man. Like Skyped him in via the spirit or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a Ouija board. You can't Skype things in. <laughs> you know what? We could talk about Halloween because it's coming up. Yeah. Now, you were raised, John. Yeah. Uh, I was raised, John. You were right. <laughs> you were raised... Uh, and Dane, too, we were kind of shielded from a lot of yeah. Halloween stuff. How did you feel about it? How do you feel about it now? And how are you raising Sadie? John, that's a three-part question. Wow. Mm. Um, 
Is this? Uh, let's start from where how you were raised on it. Are we gonna have a transcript of this later, or did is this you, a? I want to know. Did you dress up like Bible characters ever? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, what did they call what, the party? I, I, you know, I can't remember. Now I know my parents weren't like crazy against everything. Now we did have the turmoil in the toil box whole whole thing. Turmoil in the toy oh, box. Yeah, we're we're talking saying that, that, that time. Turmoil in the toy box. <laughs> It was one of those. We it was one of those things of like there were certain things I couldn't watch yeah. Oh, yeah. that if it conjured right spells Any, and spirits yeah. and things that were the Smurfs that could that be seems related. To be a very common denominator between like people like even in between denominations in Christianity. Yeah. Like every kid that was a Christian was like shielded away from certain toys or TV yeah. shows or holidays. And, you know, and the thing is, it's easy for me to criticize it. I think as a dad, though, uh, there's some things about it as a pastor and a dad. And a, it, uh, It's like my kid. She's We're all Disney. We've been to Disney World right. like three times, and, and she watches tons of you know, any of the Disney movies. But I do have these things that make me uncomfortable simply because of this. And we're doing two things. I'll answer the third part of the question now in terms mm-hmm. of how we raised Sadie. One, it would be that we just talk about it. Like, I'm not going to – the other day, I mean, you know, we're next to some people on the beach. We went to the beach the other day. We're next to these these ladies are having this 50th birthday party, mm-hmm. and they're from up north. And they were kind of loud every day, and that's fine. It was about seven of them. And by the last day, guys, they made a hole in the sand yeah. mm-hmm. and just started filling it with beer cans. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. Like, it was just growing at an exponentially alarming rate. Yeah. And so they just got more and more tipsy, and then they're just screaming, just screaming profanity and everything else. And my daughter was playing with this other girl, and, you know, kids are like – they're like the hall monitors. I mean, she's like, oh, my – can you believe – and they're so offended. You know, and my, you were like, Sadie, those ladies watched the Smurfs when they were kids. <laughs> yeah, and that's what <laughs> – That's what you'll become. <laughs> it, it, it was a – it's this conversation, you know, honey. You're gonna hear people cussing, and people are gonna get drunk in your life yeah. around. And, and and so, I don't want you doing that, and that's great. But you also need to. I'm, I'm not gonna act like it's not out there. Right. I can't shield her. I could have like la 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 and put my hands over her ears and yeah. ran her away from it. And and so and I know it. You do protect your children, but there's but you also you don't leave your own beer hole that you guys had dug, right. which was ten feet from theirs. Right. right. <laughs> As we call it, beer a hole beer hole. Be a First, pluck your own beer hole from your eye. <laughs> yeah, then you'll be see clearly <laughs> to, yeah. to remove the beer from their hole. Right. So it's like it's weird. It's like it, it, it. <laughs> 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 she was as offended, by the way, at the littering than she was oh, at the sure. drinks. Yeah. Sadie was. Oh, yeah. So, I, I actually believe that. Yeah, so, you're so upset about littering the littering. Is wrong. I was like, honey, listen, you know, and so, but to that end, like there are certain things, okay, Sadie, like if in a, in a, in a cartoon, if someone gets possessed by a ghost, yeah, okay, which in all these Disney Halloween things, yeah. I start getting a little uncomfortable because it's beginning to look like something that can be real in the mm-hmm. Bible. Yeah. And at that point I go, so look, if you're, if you're the white witch and the line of witch in the wardrobe, right. you know, and there's so many, you know, that, that, that's one thing to me. There's no white witch in the Bible, you know what I'm saying? But Jesus casting demons out of people left and right, you know, was a thing. And so what I want to just always say, hey, if you're going to watch this, let's clarify. Yeah. You know, there are real things related to this scripturally, and we don't mess around with them. They're not for fun. They're not for entertainment. 
You've um, had this conversation with Sadie. I have. Okay. And, but I realized by telling her she can't watch it, I might as well be begging her to go do so. Yeah. Like then it's a – so what I'm trying to do is there are things we say she can't do, obviously a lot. But you go, you know, who was it? Oh, we were talking the other day, Dane, about, mm-hmm. you know, you and Emily, you and your wife. Yeah, you know, she didn't have those barriers. Those barriers. and, and it, her, parents, her parents weren't like, you know, gung-ho Christians, and they never thought that way about TV or, like, kids programming. So they never gave her those, those blocks. She could just watch whatever, and I think she turned out fine. So that's what, that was my argument to John the other day. Is, I think she turned out better than you did. Yeah, I think know? so too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, in all seriousness, yeah, you, I'm all about the end result. I think that's a lot of what we talk about, the youth ministry things. Everybody wants to go, oh, that was fine, that was fine. And I go, it, it was fine. What are the end results? Mm-hmm. Did, did, we make, did, we, did we make better behaved people who don't have confidence in the right things? Who, or do we make better behaved people who are self-righteous because they don't do this thing, the righteousness right. is wrapped up what they do or don't do? Or did it make a difference at all? Yeah. Other than we had a good experience in those days. Yeah. But if you can't point to good things now, uh, then I just I'm, I'm more like the end in mind. So with Sadie, I want to know what the end in mind is, kid. I'll, here's what I tell her: You're going to make every decision for yourself, and you can already make a lot of them now. I don't, I'm not going to make this decision for you. Mm-hmm. What I some I will have to to protect you, but my goal is not to raise a well-behaved child. My goal is to raise a well-adjusted adult. Mm-hmm. That the day that she is ready. To, or it's coming. You can act like it's not. You right. can try to control everything. I will not be in control of her forever. And so what I wanted to do is to be able to have the tools to reason, to, yeah. to, to make the right decision. Instead of just going, shield you from all this so that you'll want to run and figure it out. Right. Why don't we figure it out together yeah. right now in the appropriate manners right. so that you can make good decisions for yourself? Anyway, that, I don't know. If that but like, so instead of teaching, like, Sadie, the Smurfs are bad, maybe teach her that the Smurfs are entertainment, purely. Right. And Gargamel isn't an actual person. And I don't want you playing like you're conjuring spells. It's probably not the best game to do. Let's be wise there. Mm-hmm. But Let me ask you this. Did you let her watch Star Wars? Absolutely. Yeah. So what's the difference? What's the difference? Yeah. That's the point. When you start dialing it back... Yeah, where's the line? There isn't... You won't find it. doesn't it. make sense. You'll have some arbitrary right. line based upon... And I do think you should go... There is something to be said. Okay. I believe those who are raised from a certain perspective of Christianity, uh-huh. okay? Certain perspective. I'm not going to name perspectives, but from certain perspectives of Christianity, even but like the wrong raised, ones. Right. <laughs> they're not wrong. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're, they're good friends. They're, they're ways that a lot of us were raised that so much of your decision making is based upon internal impression. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I feel about this? Yeah. And, and we, and I'm not, I think internal impressions are a part of the way that God's spirit leads us. I really believe that. I have this feeling. I have this. But man, you can also cripple yourself with that because I don't think it's the only way. I don't think that's the only way. Some people will let an internal impression override a scriptural mandate. Mm -hmm. Like the Bible clearly says this. Somebody the other day said that to me. We were in a conversation. I gave him like five scriptures. It was, it was a, and they (laughs) said, I'll pray about this. I'm like, pray about what? Are you going to pray to see if God's scripture is not true? Right. Like, what, yeah. you know, to him who knows what is right That's, does not Let's do be it. clear. That is only, in most every case, that is only a buffer for more time to think about Exactly. It's because so I don't want to go and pray about it. It's just a no. It's a, I don't, I'm not going to do what's right. So Mostly it's a no, yeah. but, I'm sure. But when you cite prayer, 
Mm-hmm. What is that? That from that traditional that tradition, then you, what you're saying is, let me go see if what the Bible says feels right to me. Yeah. And it's like, well, I think the, I don't think sometimes you need to do what doesn't feel right to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, we've mentioned right it. Thing. We mentioned. I may mention it before, but when I do events for uh, child sponsorship organizations that I work with, yeah. like Compassion or New Missions, like I got into this habit of because of the way I was raised and just because of my personality, being a peacemaker and being very uh, diplomatic yeah. about things. Uh. It's almost like I was ashamed to offer this opportunity to a crowd. Like, I'll have this table back here, and if it's something you think you want to do tonight, and and I find myself now that I know more about the organization, and and I have peace that it's good ground to sow into. Yeah, that I'm more bold in challenging the audience. That I'll say, this is something you need to do tonight. Yeah, this is. I want you to say yes to this tonight. Yeah, because to say yes to what to sponsoring sponsor a child. Okay, yeah. like this is thirty eight dollars a month of your money that is going to literally rescue a person from poverty. What is there to think about? Right, if you yeah. have thirty eight dollars, right, uh, yeah. and that's the thing. I mean, we're yeah, you know, and when we when I began to, if you take that exact same logic and you apply it to so much of the the church, let's just use the word the church for a second. And you begin to realize that so much of the of the way I've done church my whole life is based upon me deciding if I feel right about what's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And take, for example, our unwillingness to have direct, honest conversations that build someone up. Because mm-hmm. either, like you said, I'm diplomatic, I don't want to offend, I'm afraid of that of that conflict. Uh or you know, two, I feel so um, hypocritical because I have problems too. And who would I, you know, and when the Bible's so clear about that, the gift of God is found, there's such a, an amazing gift and inheritance that is found in those kinds of relationships that, that you begin to realize the real question is not what's right. The real question is, can I do, well, mm-hmm. I'd be willing to respond to what's right, regardless of how I feel about it. And real, then the best things in our lives happen when we skip what feels, right? And yeah. and we respond. And and it's a it's a it's a simple act of it's a question. It's not a it's not a feel your way through. Well, you can talk yourself out of almost anything if yep. you if you just kind of if you want to do that. If you want to just yeah. go, well, gosh, if I give this guy money, he's just going to spend it on right. he's going to waste it on alcohol. Or if I do this, right. are we enabling people? Shouldn't people? Like it's easy enough to put yourself in their shoes for only the split second that it takes for you to be like, no, they'll blow it. They'll blow right, this. Right. They'll go. They'll they'll make the wrong choice. And um, I don't know. I think that we. I think that we err on the side of like when I give money to the church or when I give money to a person, I just feel like it's gone. I don't yeah. think like. I better see a return on investment. They better turn their <laughs> yeah, life around. Right. I better not see the church doing something stupid. Right. You know, what? Oh, could now, now we're going to get a big screen in the, like, I just go, God, this right. is yours now. Mm-hmm. And then I, my part, I just play a part. And so I don't know. It's like, that's kind of, we gotten a little bit off the beaten path, but I just think that that's, we do that a lot though. We can talk ourselves into doing what we really want to do. Or we can talk ourselves out of doing the right thing pretty easily and make ourselves feel spiritually superior while we do it. 
Right. And I, I think the question of, and there is a question of, of stewardship to those things. My question would be, I don't really care how big the screen is or how much you spent on it. What are you putting on it? Yeah. I that's the stewardship for me. Is this a, is this a place where the, the real message of Christ is, is being expressed yeah. in a clear way, in a non-condemning way, with the right things in the right order? Are people's lives, can we see evidence of Jesus working in people's lives? Then you know what? The money probably doesn't matter as much, you know, if you have the screen or don't. I'm not going to worry about that. But, yeah, people will – my point is people will freak out about the mechanism, yeah. the building, the whatever. What's happening with the content that those mechanisms and, and things are, are housing? That's, that's to me, the, the, the place you got to look at stewardships. Anyway, no, we are off the beaten path. I don't know. These are good paths, guys. The, paths. Guys, you all know the entire podcast is off the beaten path. Oh. Sure. So, why didn't we call it that? Oh, my gosh. There's, there's already been two better names than what we have. Man. I don't know why we just don't change it at this point. Well, probably because we would never right. secure as good of a Twitter handle as we have now. <laughs> so. Which is what again, guys? What is that, Dane? Talk. <laughs> AB, that pod. <laughs> what I love about it is it's the way Dane, the Dane emphasizes this. Emphasis. You know what I'm saying? He Talk about talk. I can't say You say talk, AB, talk that pod. AB. <laughs> I say it different every time. I try to. <laughs> Talk A B that pod. At talk A B that pod. Dane and Dane At and I Talk A B that pod. Remember the guy, Johnny? Yeah. Our buddy, I don't say his name, but our buddy used to say he would get up to open a service when we bring us in and he would say he would say, We love you, Jesus. If, and he would say it like seven different ways. They would try to get the crowd to repeat it. Yeah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We yeah. love That's you, Jesus. That's a classic one name. We, we love, love you, you Jesus. Yeah. We love you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dane also, Dane always loves to point out the, the emphasis of certain words because he and I go to certain restaurants. Uh, oh, one, well, if we John, go to, you, you have a few things that you say really funny. Don't, you don't mean to. You just do it. What do you say, John? Lemon pepper chicken is one. Well, when I order lemon at Cheddar's, I say lemon pepper chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and for a long time, I ordered lemon pepper chicken every time. This is so quick. Then, I don't know. To, you try to say pepper lemon pepper chicken. Like it's, lemon it just chicken. rolls, man. Say like Cracker Barrel, John. In Cracker Barrel. <laughs> remember mine was, uh, remember we did the video and it was about Jason Henry, our friend, who's not a doctor, but we call him Doc Henry. He's actually a physician's assistant. <laughs> and I said physician's assistant like three times on our video. And we, we couldn't edit around it, so we just had to leave it in. And me saying, it sounds horrifying. Say it like real. Physician's assistant. <laughs> just... I didn't know that. Dana Carvey used to do this bit about how during the whole OJ trial, they all ended up saying one thing the same, and it was, you've made an entire mockery of this judicial system. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it reminded me of when I said physician's assistant. Was judicial assistant's cracker That's barrel. Yeah. Lemon pepper. Cracker yeah. barrel. I'm not, yeah. You even made one of our passwords. It had a bunch of numbers with it, too. Lemon, <laughs> Don't, say me, it. Said, Don't say it. Don't say it. Now everyone's going to know how to hack our Twitter. No one even knows what site we'd be going to, which one it is. Lemon but it's Obviously Johnny's, it's Johnny's bank account. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Good luck out there trying to get yeah. my bank account. Yeah, try to steal that, if you yeah. will. Let's talk about stealing that. Mm. You know, um, I heard the other day, so I'm right, I told you guys, we just had a book release. I'm really working to get uh, my buddy Todd on the podcast soon. Uh, it's a book that I, th- I hope everybody reads. It's called Come and See. Mm-hmm. Come and See. Everything you've ever wanted in the one place you never look. 
Mm. Did you whisper it. Did you write the byline? Did you come up with that? I don't remember, Johnny. This seems like something. Do you like it? It feels like a John Driver because it's a little wordy. (laughs) (laughs) I thought the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, you know who else is wordy? Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. Honestly. Ever hear the Beatitudes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I wrote that, actually. Uh, Todd oh. Wagner is, um, he's, he's you know, and man, that's why I like him so much. He's kind of wordy, too, you know, so we get along really well. But um, but it's a cool book. And it we ended up, so the word count was supposed to be like fifty to 60,000 words. That's mm. a common, kind of a standard. That's like a 200-page book. Right. And we ended up writing more like 120 to, to start then we had to cut it down and we cut, cut it down cut to like down 60,000 yeah words. down to like 80 something which, oh, you know geez. and so it Just reminded the ands and the v's it really <laughs> hard to make sense of <laughs> I'm at ampersands everywhere uh, guys but, we're gonna take the consonants we're just we believe in this book dude, it's called that... <laughs> you sound like mojo it's all vowels <laughs> Your are Mojo, Mojo noise. Mojo, yeah. Who's Mojo? Well, Mojo was my Johnny's little dog, dog who yeah. I used to – he's passed away now, but I used to hold him, and then if I would just squeeze him or if I would just say the word <laughs> squeeze like I was going to squeeze, he would go <laughs> – every time. Like he was preparing. Uh, and Mojo it squeeze. Was, it was the funniest. Oh, that's great. But anyway, back to your Was Mojo time. the one that couldn't – he literally – he was like short and fat. You had, you had to put Mojo in the bathtub. No, that was that was BJ. He was a different dog. He okay. uh, BJ was a rescue. He we lived. Uh, he lived with a a lady for nine, first nine years of his life, and she went into a home. So Curry worked at a vet clinic at that time. So she would get these poor dogs who were just dropped off to be put down. If somebody, she was like, "We're gonna foster this dog." I was like, "We're gonna keep." You don't. Fo- I don't know if you ever had that situation. Yeah. I mean, if your wife ever says, "Let's foster this dog." You're keeping the dog. Right. So he had all these health. Like she was a smoker, and so he had this weird. The like, dog cough. was a smoker? The do- <laughs> no. the, That's why the he made those lived, funny noises. The dog lived with a smoker, and but he would wake up every day, and he would climb into the bathtub <laughs> and then look up at the faucet, and you would turn on the faucet, and he would drink from the faucet. <laughs> but you had, after, after a while, his knee blew out, and we had to lift him into the tub because he, he didn't like drinking from a bowl. <laughs> So we'd put him in the tub. You and catered we, to how he drank Sometimes water. he would look up at the faucet like, just kill me. Drown, drown me. <laughs> drown me today. Uh, and, uh, oh, he man. was funny, though. Dog, I don't know, man. I just, I'm just i a dog person, you know, so I'm yeah. but I said that one, wasn't Mojo, though, right? No, that was, was, that was a different dog. But uh, he was funny because he wasn't we – we didn't know what food to feed him. And, you know, when you get a new dog that's been eating a certain kind of food, they're really picky. And then we went over to my mom's house that first night or two that we had him and she pulled a carton of Mayfield ice cream out Mm of the, out of the freezer and the dog started freaking out. And we realized (laughs) this dog has been fed ice cream (laughs) a lot. It's a fat dog. And so it was like, Oh, now it's food time. I recognize that yellow carton. And, uh, I'm not proud of it, but we gave him ice cream because he hadn't eaten. Yeah. I might give my dog ice cream. I don't know. Anyway, he's dead, but, <laughs> I don't know. Somebody, somebody's heart exploding. Uh, but he was happy. Have we talked about this before? Do you guys give voices to your dogs? Dane, did you not listen to the last Sean, episode? We, Dude, we, you guys talked about it. That's we right. We did. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and I wish that I was here to do my dog's voices. That's why I oh, so came to my mind. You'll do your dog's voice on I the air? I will definitely do. I am not ashamed. Like now, you, you have a dog that week. looks like a little fox. Does he have a very regal? It's, okay, so Alfred doesn't have like a. 
a very distinct voice. I, I can't do Alfred's. I don't know Alfred's. I love it like as but if Riley's, this is true. Riley's yeah. voice is like this. She's she's pretty dopey sounding. Riley is a pit bull and Labrador mix. She's she's brown and she's very very cute and very sweet, but she's very dopey. So you she's, gave her a, a hey, guy. Dad. You gave her a guy's voice. Well, kind of, or, or just like a very deep girl voice. I don't know how your dog would feel about you. Like she seems fine with presuming it. Presuming <laughs> she seems gender. okay with it. <laughs> what does she say to you? Uh, I don't know. It usually has to do with food. <laughs> hey, <laughs> what you got there? She'll come right up to the plate and just stare at it. She and won't he, try for it. She just stares at it. Have you ever done the voice so that long? Looks pretty good, dude. You ever been in the voice so long that like one day my wife, I said something in Brutus's voice and she was like, well, you know, Bertie, she said something about because she corrected it. And I go, honey, he's just a dog. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> so like I've literally now convinced her that I'm speaking. Yeah, you know, I did how the same thing spo- with Emily. How is he supposed to know? He doesn't. Give him a break. Uh, yeah, I'll do the Riley voice. Mom, can I have some of your, your pork chop there? And then be like, no, honey, no, you can't have my pork chop. <laughs> She'll like, respond to me saying something for the dog. You know, you're great. Dog, your dog, I can't help but notice that your dog sounds a lot like Tony Romo. <laughs> uh, so, take it or leave it. But That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, know. Alfred doesn't have a distinct voice. He just is the worst dog ever. So He seems like he would have a foppish British voice. No, mm. he's yes, not British. Father. He's not British. Come, father. Why don't you? I don't got one. You know, the other day after we had that conversation, I realized that the Brutus voice, I think the reason I do it so much is it's the baby voice I did for Sadie. Mm, yeah, it's the voice the I did one. for babies. And when Sadie started talking, yeah. I'm, I kept going because you're yeah. losing your baby. You know what I'm right. saying? Like now, and you're, your baby. You're dealing with it. Right. So you, you it's have. Like a, it's like a death almost like you're grieving. Well, a lot of people, you know, Laura and I talk about that a lot. A lot of people really, when you, th- there are a lot of moms out there, especially that, man, they just, oh, I just miss my babies. I miss my babies, you know. And I'm, I kind of have, some, we have some of that. Like, I really love, I love babies. I do. We, we both love babies. But there's also something about having a nine year old, you know, like she just made the volleyball team this mm-hmm. week. You yeah, know, a lot of babies will not make volleyball. They teams. won't. I've th- used you to throw the volleyball try. right at her face, and she yeah. couldn't even return it. And I was like, right. "How many times do I have to they do this?" Won't learn before, but you know, no. There's these. There's the joy of other things. But I realized I, it was just a continuation. I think trying to keep the. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, maybe it was. It it's was like a, a control thing too. Like that's one of the reasons people don't want them their kids to grow up. I think because it's like you you settle into a pattern of. Well, I chose everything. I choose what we're going to eat today. I choose hey, what we're going to. I chose then, what you were saying because I was doing your voice for right. you. <laughs> right. I choose what you're going to wear. I choose, you know, when they get their own opinions and attitudes and sometimes bad attitudes, you're like, where did this come from? Right. You're not my baby. <laughs> Where's my baby? <laughs> well, so the book. Mm. I mm-hmm. heard the other day, I said that to, to talk about long books. I heard the other day oh, that yeah? Garth Brooks is releasing a book, and then I autobiography. heard an yeah. autobiography, and then I heard that it's not just a book. <laughs> He's releasing his autobiography in five books. Five. Five. And are they coming out all together? I read this, but are they coming out together at I once? I don't know. Or is it like, man, that's a cliffhanger. I wonder what happens oh. next. It just seems a little self-indulgent. It seems it seems five times self indulgent. <laughs> yes, like a book about yourself is like, well, he's had a good career. Write right. a book. Five. We can't tell this in one book. <laughs> Great story like this. 
It's like the Iliad and the Odyssey. How long are the books? Do you I, know? Don't, I don't know. Maybe what if like... they were all little? And he just was like, <laughs> 40 pages each. Mm. Well, you know, I wrote a long book one time um, called No Arrivals. It was kind of a big thing for me, you know, probably five to seven years ago. And I had this agent, and this agent said, look, well, you just got to get this out, man. You just got to get this out. All this stuff in your heart, just get it out. So I was like, fine. So I just threw out word count. Everything I just wanted to write from my heart, and when I wrote, it was one hundred and thirty thousand words. Mm. Okay, too much. it was everything. It too was much like, was in too your much heart. was in my heart. Yeah, and so I brought it to him, like, oh, you know, you wanted me to give you my heart, and he dropped me the next week. He literally oh. ended our agreement. I can't do anything with this. So that that broke my heart. But then ended up there was this small Christian publisher that I ended up having this relationship with, and they offered me they they wanted the book, mm-hmm. and they offered me a three book deal out of that one book. And I had signed with my other agent by the time this, this offer came and it was, it was not a lucrative offer. I'll put it that way. So it wasn't going to be that the best financial move, you know, but I was excited. I was right. And they're still friends and appreciate them, but they wanted to take the content and do what you're saying. They wanted to release no arrivals as three books at once. Right. And my agent was just like, ah, it's just the weird, it, that kind of, not self-indulgent, indulgent, but what are you telling the reader? Right. Like, I can't get this in Maybe one that's book. Maybe happened to Garth. Maybe he submitted, like, really long word count. And they were like, this? We can't lose a word of this. It's just gold. Right. See, Garth. Unlike, unlike Garth, though, I didn't have the kind of pull. Right. Like, when my agent said, hey, no, you probably shouldn't do this, <laughs> I hope Garth one, probably I hope said. One of the books is just about the Chris Gaines thing. Well, I don't do you know anything Chris Gaines? about No, Chris Gaines. Books. <sighs> oh dang! You know, you know, he went. Johnny, you tell it. Sorry. Early. This is your, late nineties. It's been late nineties. <clears throat> the year was nineteen ninety eight. I don't know what year. It was probably ninety eight. That was a good year. So ninety eight. Garth Brooks did a movie. <laughs> he did a movie, and he was playing like a pop star. Okay. In the movie, Garth. He was dabbling in acting. It was a made-for-TV thing. Okay. And it was about this character called Chris Gaines. Mm. So rather than just be like, well, this is a movie I want to do and blah, blah, blah. He started doing performances and appearances and released a record as Chris Gaines. Like a pop weird. And it looked like Garth, but he had spiky hair and like a soul patch. Yeah. <laughs> Weren't the song? He had some good songs on there. No, he? the only one I remember that went on the radio was it was a cover of Come On People Now, Smile On Your Brother. What's that one called? Uh, Love Train. Come on, people mm-hmm. now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together. I can't, I can't I imagine. Right That's beautiful. I can't imagine Garth Brooks without a cowboy hat on. I can't he, imagine him with hair. Okay, here's what he did though. This is this was the, yeah. this was the thing that he did that was to me like it captured the moment, and the moment died shortly thereafter. He hosted SNL. Oh, as Chris Garth Gaines. Brooks. Oh wait, yeah, yeah. And Chris Gaines was the musical guest. <laughs> So Garth Brooks was. Did he have the, like a big like emo swoopy hair thing in his emo face. Emo swoop was full on, but emo it was kind of spiky swoop. too. Uh, oh, was it? Um, was it like spiked in the back? Yeah, and and, I, and it wasn't a country record, by the way. It was like a pop record. So yeah, that's what I don't know what happened that he was like. This was, but I mean, it's interesting because we we tell artists not not to make the same record ten times in a row. We get mad when they just go to living blah. But then if they take a risk, we're like, what is wrong with you taking? So it's like, we really can't be pleased. Right. Like, uh, I read this quote, great quote from uh, Henry Ford, you know, who invented the automobile, uh, or one of the first automobiles. And he said, if I'd asked people what they wanted 
they would have asked for faster horses. Mm-hmm. Wow. So there's something to like taking a creative risk. So I'm not just trying to slam the guy, but it's a weird yeah. thing. It's a weird thing to do. Every innovation is somebody's creative risk, and there's so many innovators you'll never know about. There's so many great I would things. Wanna, I would read that book before I would read, because I would want to read about somebody taking a risk and failing that we know only as, that has 50 number ones and right. sells out arenas. I would want to hear about this, what happened behind the scenes. So that's the book I would read for real. Right. If, if he talks about that. Does he all. talk about the things that, yeah, that got yeah. him there? I don't know. Absolutely. Garth, if you're listening. Um, you can follow us. Send us sixth, a direct message. A sixth <laughs> book is in your future, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's great, though. Maybe it'll be the best. Maybe. Well, it he does. Like, he sounds does. like something for fans of his, though. Like, if you're a fan of Garth, you well, might. Who else is going to buy a Garth Brooks autobiography? Of course. I wouldn't. I, yeah. You know what I like? I just I, I finished uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman's autobiography this year. You know, of course oh, they lost. I've heard that that is just yeah with his daughter's death and everything. You know, but he, yes. he follows his whole career. You know, like he was a George Jones impersonator at Opryland. He was an Opryland musician in the theme park. <laughs> I didn't know it's that. Crazy, and I love it because I love I, I followed him for years and love his heart and what they do with adoption and everything. And um, but one of the things he said a couple times in the book that. I think he really believes you don't just add this. And I work with people who do autobiographies. And so I always enjoy working with someone or reading someone when they say, I'm still surprised that anyone will want to read about my life. Yeah. Like mm. to, you, you should have, I, th- I think you should have that. You uh, should talk to Garth. Right. Well, maybe Garth is, maybe his life really is. And maybe not. And we don't know the whole story. Probably so, not. and us going to the millions of people listening around the world, this could be impacting the market for Garth. And mm. I hope that it doesn't because I'm I, sorry, Garth, but he needs to come on and tell his real story and um, tell us what's going on. He's down to his last billion. <laughs> he doesn't get people to buy this book. <laughs> his jet's like five years old now. Yeah. Oh. oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and you go back to um, our earlier conversations, you know, you were asking about what do we teach our kids and, and you know, I'll ask you guys a question today and this is this isn't this is not about Garth or those things, so I'm officially now making a mm. little bit of a transition into something else. Oh, okay. But it does go back to where we started. Uh like if you were to ask in terms of when I think about my kid or I think about us trying to train her in faith, or we talked about the church a little bit today. What do you think the greatest danger? I want to give you two options: the greatest danger to faith, or or to someone's growth in faith, is today between these two things. Do you think that it's a greater danger of worldliness, or a greater danger of legalism? Like, as you, as you think of those things, I was certainly um, not necessarily just by my parents. My dad was kind of a hippie Christian in some ways. My dad was, my dad was, um, don't believe that. Yeah, no, he was. Dad was very in a, in the conservative spectrum. Dad was, I would consider him to be very progressive compared to his, you know, contemporaries and peers. You know, he's the one dad wanted everyone to read the Bible in a language they can understand. It was a real big deal for dad. So uh, back in the seventies, dad got the living Bible. That was a paraphrased you know, version. We talked about that before. And man, everybody got living Bibles. He sent Bibles. And then, the, you know, he, he's always, mm-hmm. but anyone around him who didn't like that, he made them uncomfortable. You know, that was, that was, you know, dad's thing. And so I never felt like we, we weren't really raised just uber, you know, legalistic when you use that. It wasn't, it wasn't just rules for rules sake. We would talk yeah. about it. But I think certainly from the church, though, 
or from the artists or whoever you listen to, Christianity for me was very much about avoiding being like the world. Like, don't don't be like the world. Worldliness is the greatest of all dangers. And I just want to see how you guys feel as we talk about that. Is is worldliness is is becoming like the world still the greatest of all danger, or is there a danger to to legalism and and defining maybe those two things for our listeners? You know what we mean by those. Um, how would you guys, Johnny? How would you feel about legalism versus worldliness? Yeah, I mean, I grew up uh, for sure with a lot of rules. Some of them I understood, some of them I didn't. I can look back now and see like, okay, well, there's some things like boundaries are important to a degree. I mean, there's things in the Bible that God says don't do or God says, but I think of it now more when I'm reading the Bible, it's like, well, this is like a parent telling his kid not to play in traffic and the kid doesn't understand. Right. You know, and you're like, why? It looks so fun. You know, so sometimes it's like, well, if somebody just wants to go out and be involved in outrageous sin, that's not freedom. So you're not saying like, so these people that are, there's kind of a new wave of people who are pushing back against legalism. The pendulum is swung the other way and they're just like, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Right. And this is freedom. And then like, okay, well, I'm not going to tell you you can't drink alcohol, but then if somebody has an alcohol dependency issue, you're like, man, would they have been better off with just staying away from it altogether? So yeah, yeah there's that. Ba- we live in the balance of those two things for sure, because I think we all believe in boundaries to some degree, uh, or we wouldn't be involved with the church anyway, because you're just like, we obviously believe that God has things that he pr- prefers that, you know, God's holy. He doesn't want you to do things. But yeah, I grew up with rules that were like, we don't want to be like the world. And it did create a sense of me, a sense in me of when I saw people that did do those things, like listen to yeah. secular music or go to R-rated movies or whatever, I would not just go, that person, I'm worried about them. I would feel immediately superior to them. And that wasn't anything that like my mom said, and you're better. Right. It was just the fruit of that thinking. the fruit thinking. of that yeah. thinking, yeah. And so right. – uh, but having said that, I think that there are some things in – in entertainment now that Christians are okay with myself included that I go, is that the right, is that the right thing either? Like this whole thing, well, it's just whatever. And it's just a show. Like right. obviously ho- we can prove that Hollywood has moved the needle as far as what's accepted yeah, in our culture. Even, even some shows when I watch, I'm sometimes not, not as bothered by saying, Oh, this was ultra violent or this was whatever ultrasexual or whatever i'm more sometimes i'm more bothered when i see like a show with no redeeming characters whatsoever and the show's just kind of like glorying in a group of and there's never any come up and miscreants for, that are yeah all, there's never yeah. any come up and for wrong choices like even if you watch breaking bad he's kind of the original like anti-hero of the last 10 years on tv one of the best shows ever probably and here you are like conflicted because this guy's making meth because his family's going to be without mm-hmm. money if he dies of cancer. But then even you, even people who are like super legalistic are like, that show is going to – even you, if you watch it, it does not glorify that lifestyle at all. And he totally gets right. – he pays for his sins right. in yeah. a more than one way. And it destroys people around him. And, no spoilers, I mean, Johnny. No spoilers. Yeah. If you, I'm sorry if you've never watched Breaking Bad. But so there's something to be said for that. But I'm saying – Yes, I, I'm. I'm. I'm in the. I'm in the balance of those two things where I still have some of that stuff where I'm trying to unlearn legalism, but I'm also saying, if we tear everything away, if we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we have no boundaries and we say, 
well, whatever people want to do, it's just entertainment. We're not, it's like a cognitive dissonance. Like the people in Hollywood who are now out for gun control and like, let's take away everybody's guns. But every movie that they're known for, <laughs> they're holding a gun and killing people right. indiscriminately. You go, <laughs> you don't understand. You don't see a weird. Right. At least irony. Like yeah. Something there. Just a little different. Yeah. That's just a show. <clears throat> and you're like, okay, I don't know. Yeah, no. And I think, I think, um, I think you're right. I always say don't throw baby Jesus out with the bathwater, you know, because there's this, there's this, I think children bring a great, uh, children bring, bring a great perspective. Like, okay, what is my purpose? Is it for Sadie to be a rule follower? Yeah. I was a rule follower. I thought, throw all the idea about it. Well, was I trying to earn my righteousness? All those things. Those are all the implications of that. But let's just, we're kind of focusing on the end, end game of that. And so we were growing up, take, you take the alcohol thing, for example. We were growing up, we were, we were told alcohol touches your tongue. Yeah. It's, it's hellfire for you. You know, it was that, it was, it was, we're in the South, it, in our religious traditions, it was very, and I wasn't told that by my parents like that. We had honest conversations about it. But it was very much like we don't do this, you know, and and yes, so you see some dude in Pizza Hut with his family having one beer and and since you're a kid, you have no you have no, you know, sphere of of reference to know. You're just like, oh, my gosh, I hope that guy doesn't drive, you know, thinking that (laughs) there's there's no like you don't know what amounts or, you know, and and then, you know, to that end, everybody that I knew of in our youth ministry growing up. Everybody who was taught like that all went out either in secret as teenagers and certainly in their college years and just got smashed all the time Yeah, because the fruit of it was we became – and this is something in the Come and See book that really impacted me. It's, it's easy, something that you would think, okay, well, this hurts people, so let's make a rule about it. And I think that I would say, and alcohol is just one example. And if you're a listener today, I beg of you, don't freak out about the alcohol example. Take this for everything. What what we say in the book, what Todd says in the book that's so good is, when we are dogmatic about something the Bible's not dogmatic about, mm-hmm. or the flip side, we are dismissive about something the Bible's not dismissive about, that's a great way to find whatever that middle is we're talking about. It goes back to those feelings. Am I just going to watch this show? And I think it's okay. You should be feeling something. How does this feel to me? You know, Paul talks about that, the law of the conscience. Uh, when, when it's not explicitly stated in Scripture, then you need to follow those internal nudges and those things. That's, that's good. You should be listening for that. Is this pleasing to God? Is this more pleasing to God? Not necessarily in a matter of salvation, all those things, but I think that you should be following that. that that's good. Um, but if what I'm doing in my life is so clearly not dismissed by scripture and I'm dismissive of it, then I I should have a, there there should be a check there. Or if what I'm dogmatic about or against the Bible's not that much, like I'm making a greater case than the Bible does for it, then what does that say? And that balance there, like I have no problem being bold anymore to just say, my opinion really doesn't matter. Yeah. We're a culture that says, well, what's your opinion on this? It really doesn't matter what my opinion is. It doesn't. My opinion is not changing truth. So what I want to say is, can, can I – and sometimes you can't necessarily ascertain definitively in this 
day and age God's full opinion on something because the scriptures don't reveal everything about social media or about modern things. It doesn't, you know, but what I can say is what's then in, in what's lacking there. Yeah. I don't want to be dogmatic where the Bible was and I don't want to go overboard and I don't want to go underboard. Can I do my best to find a middle ground? I don't want to pick one scripture out. Okay. And, and like just hammer it and twist it and use it and make an entire religion out of it. That's not right either. What is the whole context of the matter? seem to to lean towards and then i listen to people who are even not like me so if someone says hey listen here's a scriptural argument maybe you haven't heard then that's valid to me let's hear it and if it goes against what i feel or what i think or what i believe about it as my opinion uh-huh. great that's called sharpening let's hear sure. that maybe that will help shift me another degree in yeah. a direction i need to go because i think i've stopped believing that my opinion must be the right way Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, I've looked at things like, uh, as I reassess things and try to go like, well, how much of this can I keep from my upbringing and how much of this should I, you know, just separate the wheat from the chaff? And you go, okay. So what I do now is I say, does this belief of mine make me more likely to dismiss a person or to reach out to a person? And so that self-righteousness that I used to feel before made me more likely to just be like, well, I can put this person in that pot and they're, they're in that box over there and yep. man, they're gone. But if it, but it's like, like a real, a real belief that comes from, uh, you know, a place of truth, it should draw you in, it should draw you into community. So in other words, like I used to, I, I think I was raised to believe that like drugs were bad and people that did drugs, people that were addicted yeah. to drugs Stigma were bad was people huge. because yeah. drugs were bad, people that did drugs were bad. And now mm. I believe that drugs are dangerous and that people that are addicted to drugs are sick. Yeah. yeah. So it's just that one shift. When then someone would say, well, yeah, but they made bad choices. They made, and, yeah. and, and, and they'll go back to something we said in an earlier episode. Like for some reason we act like someone's bad choices yeah. disqualifies them from our need to show them grace, right. which by definition. Right. Like the more bad, it doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge your bad choices. So it's a, like we have all or nothing. Either we have to say it's your fault, you're responsible for this, you made the stupid choice, therefore no grace for you. Yeah. I mean that's how we treat them. We would never say that. That's how we treat them. Or, mm-hmm. or just come on. Doesn't matter what you do. We have grace for you. That's not grace either. Yeah. Like real love would say, "Hey man." I love you enough to tell you that you're severely hurting yourself and I can see clearly why because I've done that in my own version of life. How can I serve you well enough that we can live this out together where we see we see a transformation in you? Well, I'm not just throwing a scripture at you and walking away and neither am I justifying what you're doing because all things are okay. Hey, all things aren't okay. And the fruit of that, the evidence of that, you're living out right now. You're, yeah. you know, and But there's no condemnation in that. Come... Let, let, let's do this together and, and see that middle ground of I'll go. So let's be honest. I told you all the story of Joe, right? Yes. Yes. Did I? The guy who called the day and who's suicidal. Oh, no. Okay. Different Joe. Different Joe. So I'm my own Joe. That was John Kerry's Joe story. Yes. And, and we'll kind of be our last story for today. This guy calls the office one day. Okay. And this was a real moment for me. And one of our staff uh, who'd answered the phone runs up and, and she said, oh my gosh, there's a guy on the phone who's suicidal and wants to talk to the pastor. So I've gotten calls like this before. So I go and I take the call. Joe is like in his 50s. He lives in his car. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
and he's in Nashville somewhere. And Joe had just had enough. He says, I want to jump off a bridge. And obviously he's calling, so I know he's reaching out for help. So Joe, tell me what's going on. Well, I live in my car, made a lot of bad mistakes in my life, and I just gotten a new job. And they were paying me good money. I was going to start working my way up. So in my car, though, I'm piecing this all together. Yeah. In his car is all of his worldly possessions. They may be few, but they're everything this guy has, his pictures of his family, everything. Well, he's parking near his new job, and he's getting up and going to work. Okay. Well, one night a cop tows his car because his tags were expired. Uh Okay. He goes to the impound lot. Sorry, no. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A cop pulls him over. He's driving. Tags are not expired. His license is expired. He arrests him. Yikes. He arrests him. Impounds his car. The judge looks at him and lets him off. Like, well, look, pay the fine. You know. Yeah. He goes to get his car out. It's three hundred dollars to get his car out. Right. He can't get his car out. He doesn't have the money. Like he, he had. If you could hear in Joe's voice, it was like this. I was so close. I was. I was breaking the cycle. I had the job finally. Yeah. Someone. You know how hard yeah. it is to get a job without an address. Sure. I mean, it's almost impossible. You have no address. You have yeah. no. And, and, and someone had given him a chance, and he was working hard. He was showing up, and he made a mistake. His license is expired. He gets pulled over, and it's almost like they're picking on him is how he felt. Yeah. Now, I'm sure the guy probably had outstanding whatevers. I don't know. I'm not blaming the policeman for that, but the consequence to him and his mind right. felt so severe. Now, the judge seemed to get it and let him off the hook with these fees. He goes to the impound lot, and they won't give him his car, right. and he can't get to work. And so the sequence, the cycle is like, I will never get out of this. Yeah. They've taken all my possessions, and they won't let me have my car. I begged him. I told him I'll come over and sweep and work. Can you give me a job to do? I'll mow the grass or whatever. Like he's offering and the guy won't do it. And every time, every week it stays there, they add a fee. Mm, So he's just growing and he's done. Like that dude's $300 is done. Now as a pastor, as forget that as, as a believer, like I got to get real. So the story, I'm going to tell you the story. Then I'll tell you why it was real. Like, first off, I don't want the guy to commit suicide. Isn't that like, and I'm asking him all the questions you ask. Do you have a plan? Do you know, so, you know, and, and he's, he's serious about it. Yeah. We talk, I share hope with him. I share the gospel with him. We actually pray on the phone and, and have this great moment. But at the end of the day, the dude needs his car. Yeah. And so in, in that moment, and I'm not, I, I, I said, give me the number to the impound lot. I call the guy and I begin reasoning with him. I'm like, man, listen, this dude, and I tell, tell him the story. And he's like, well, look, you know, I, I told him and, 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 I, and I care about that stuff. But you know, that guy's got a job to do. And I talked to him about 20 minutes and I finally go, all right, here's my credit card number. I'm going to, I want to get Joe's car out. Joe needs his car. Yeah. You know, and I paid his debt. Okay. Then I call him and I tell him what I've done. And he freaks out. Joe's like, I can't believe you did that. And I said, Joe. The God's honest truth is I didn't really do anything for you except what was done for me. Like That's exactly – this sounds like a John Driver telling his own story. This was great. No, the ending you understand. Joe, I, I promise you I'm just passing along the same grace that was given to me. Somebody paid my debt, and this is this is nothing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to pay your debt. And I said, Joe – and I, at that point I knew 
This is where it gets weird. And he was so grateful. Oh, dude, can I come work at the church and do something and take out the trash? I said, Joe, no, I don't need you to earn it. Just let me love you and bless you. And, and, and hopefully this job's going to work out. And, and so he didn't live in Mount Julia. He lived kind of around, but I said, Joe, you know, I'd love, and this is where it gets weird. Joe, you don't just need though a prayer. You need, you need a community of people. That's what we all need. And I would love for you to come be my guest this Sunday with our community of people anytime. You don't have to, but anytime you want to show up, man, you be my special guest. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. And I hung up the phone and this is the truth. In my mind, I thought, what the heck are we going to do with Joe if he comes in? Yeah. Homeless. Right. Dirty clothes. Smelling. Yeah. Are we, am I going to take him to lunch today? With me and my, my, I don't know, if, I don't know, Joe could be a predator for all I know. I really don't know Joe. Right. I know that he had a hard story and I helped him out. He could have been scamming me for all I know and I just gave $300 away or whatever. But yeah. at the end of the day, that's when I began to look at the matter of the church being the church. And I realized we're not ready for Joe. We're not ready for this. Our religion is very insulated. We don't really know. There is no way we won't look at him differently than we look at Dane walking in the door. There's no way that he will get spoke. It's not because we're bad people. It's because we're not experiencing the fullness of what all this is supposed to be in that in that real way. And it was a real convicting moment for me. It was a yeah. moment where I realized, you know what, God, I, I need to start getting ready for Joe and not look at Joe as back to your conversation about the drug addict or the homeless person or whomever. He's just a dude. Yeah. And so am I. And just because whatever my, my status is or whatever my religious experience is, you know, whatever it may be, I'm in no less need of help, like imminent help than Joe is. And the more I believe that when, when, when we stop as Christians believing that we need grace, when we, I call it equal opportunity offenders. We should be equal opportunity offenders. If the gospel is more offensive to someone else because it calls us to change and by offended even by grace, if, it, if I'm offended that you tell me, ah, oh, you need grace as much as someone else who is a drug addict or someone who did this or that, yeah. if I think I need less, then I'm not getting it. It's not radical enough. I feel, then I'm playing into a works-based mindset that says it's about how good I am and there's levels of goodness. Mm. No, that's, guys, that's heresy. That's heresy. But that's what so many of us in the American church believe. We really believe, we would say one thing, I believe that we all need grace the same but when you had to sit down next to Joe or you had to sit down next to a drug addict or sit down next to uh, someone who's an inmate who made horrible decisions, you would never equate. I'm not telling you your decisions and their decisions, all sins are the same. No, I'm not saying that. But the fact that we really don't believe I'm in much, I'm in the equal need yeah. of the grace of Christ as that guy, it began to prove to me the Pharisee inside. Like it pointed out the Pharisee. It's easier to give Joe $300 mm-hmm. than it is to live in community with him. That's just the God's honest truth. Yeah. And that's, that's the recovery program. That's, that's the rehab I'm in. That's the rehab I'm in. I have to rehab from that mindset because it's wrong. So anyway, that's, that's my Joe story. Sorry yeah, it took yeah, so long. That's crazy. That's mm-hmm. good. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a good reminder. I think it's true. Like we, when we imagine a church growing, we imagine uh, middle class. Yeah. Well-adjusted 
families with 2.3 kids and all the, you know what I'm saying? The, the, we imagine the American, great American family in there. Yeah. Man, if we get these, and then if you're not careful, cause I mean, I worked here, you know, and, and we didn't really have this attitude, but when you're not careful, you start, your events become about that. Like, okay, we do this event, yep. spend this money on an event. Maybe we get some new families. You start seeing people as tithing units and all this other nonsense. It creeps into your mindset. Yeah. Like, we got to keep the lights on. We got to. Mm. It's like when really, like, what a true community would look like is a lot messier than that. It'd be, there'd be a lot of, like, hard meetings being had because such and such, you know, because Joe did come and he made somebody feel uncomfortable. Or maybe he had a history. Maybe he had wronged somebody. You well, know, and some churches to are going to talk to Joe about the stuff he about him that make us uncomfortable. What I want to be talking about is I want to talk to us about the reason we're uncomfortable around yeah. him. <laughs> you know, right. as equally as much. You remember Hunter? I told you Hunter's story. The whole the kids make a messy home. Yeah, you know, a messy church is the right is the right church. I mean, it, it, we, there should be there should be. I mean, if I'm in a church where no nobody's. Everybody always seems to fit right. into this. It's like a museum. Yeah. Like I always think it's funny when I go on and looking for an address for a church and the address will pop up on like Google or but it'll have – it'll say closed now. Yeah. It, and that's just part of like churches right, have right, hours that they have to list or whatever. That's good. It's the idea of a church having hours right. is kind of fascinating and it's – and maybe it's not what they mean by that. but It's, it's just, nice. They're office hours. Yeah, you yeah, just but. go, man. What an interesting thing of like, yeah, we just have a, sorry, the museum is closed. Yeah. Come back when you can see the perfect porcelain people on right. Sundays when we have our masks on. It's like, it shouldn't be that. It should be a lot more. It should be up close and real and blood and guts and, you know. Well, earlier today, we just shot a, we were shooting a series of videos at church right now. We call them Stories of Transformation. And it's yeah. going to be a great one Sunday. It's the wife of my good friend who's a drug addict. She's telling her side of the story. Yeah. And we walked, we got to walk. Lots of people did through, uh, and they're still in that journey and realizing that dude has become such a great friend to me and someone that I respect so much who speaks in my life when I dismissed him because he was a drug addict for so long. Yeah. I looked down on him. I did. And when well, you missed out, you missed out yeah. on what he really had to bring. And it didn't help him or me, yeah. by the way. It, it didn't, you know, yeah. it, it, you know how much it would have helped him to be able to help me? How much would have helped him to not have to rely? It's, I mean, a great gift from the Lord is to be able to uh, to realize that God's asking me right. to be a part of your life as well. There's accountability, responsibility, and a, a desire to help because he's one of the most helpful people you ever met. Yeah. But who wants to receive it? Because I'm all, oh, no, it's okay. I'm good, bro. Come back whenever you got, when you're better than a drug addict. Yeah. And that like, who do, who in the world do I think I am? That's just, I don't know, man. It's been man, great. It's good though. Great. Well, man, that's a good conversation today. Um, a great time. Hey, you know, I did, by the way, I want to just share um, one of our customer reviews uh, on, oh. they call it customer reviews, but it's on iTunes. Reviews. That's what it says. I didn't call it that. Or ratings. Um, yeah, solid intellectual conversation mm. with plenty of humor. It's great to mm. see Christians not be afraid to actually be honest and tackle topics that would otherwise typically be taboo. Oh. So uh, that's Guitar Freak 846. He clearly listen to the wrong podcast yeah <laughs> i don't know you've clicked a different podcast his title reviews. is best hour of my day oh, guys that. that, that's andrew gomez yeah well dan's supposed to say who it is act I like it's a stranger who it is we, no, we all know no, no, it looks like is. we're getting our mommies and stuff to come on here and <laughs> it is our mommies uh, listening to this show mommy Bro. gomez is not my mommy but i'm gonna yeah, say this weird whoever mm-hmm. submits another review 
the best review between now and next week, we're going to read it on the air. And you know what? We're going to send them a Johnny W. Comedy DVD. Oh. And a copy of my new book, Come and See. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shipping and handling may may apply. (laughs) So, yes, do it and we'll send you something. We're going to send you something. We'll read the best review and we're going to send it out. Rate it, review it, do it. We yeah. believe in you. That's Absolutely. a good slogan. Mm-hmm. Rate it, review it, do it. Do it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Go to rate it, review it, do it dot com. A B. <laughs> hey man, you guys have a great week. Look forward to seeing you next week on Talk About That. A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.